We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Randy Luna. And I'm your other host, Corey Taylor. Yeah, and this is our uh, break in the heat was nice, but edition. What's that supposed to mean? Well, we got a little respite, which was really welcomed, I mean, uh, on the backside of that low, but that low is moving out, and we're going to talk about that stubborn warm front here in a minute. But as soon as that warm front lifts north, all this heat and humidity and crap is going to come right back. I see a lot of pretty high temps on that seven-day outlook. We, <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of we're getting into. I mean, July is just right around the corner, so you'd sure. kind of expect that. But we've had weeks of that in May and June, so. Uh, we're used to it, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah, that little respite is is uh, pretty much... Well, the big story, Springfield Radar is back up. It is, I guess. Kind of. Uh, it's yeah. it, it's doing what it's what it's doing. I mean, I uh, we saw some uh, videos, live cast from them, and Mike was saying, you know, they got the gear fixed, and but uh, the thing is, it's running in slow mode right mm-hmm. now. And that means updates every five or six minutes as opposed to every two or three minutes. So if you're tracking a severe storm on there, what that means is you kind of have to guess where it is compared to where it was five or six minutes ago when that radar image came out. Yeah, that's that's the problem. And it, it when you turn the loop on, it's going to look like it's moving a it's lot cruising, faster. But yeah, it's really not. Uh, but it's really not. I mean, uh, if, if those of you who have radar scope, there's a, a thing. What's it called where you can uh, you can click it and you can measure. You know what I'm talking about? The distance, the distance tool. That's yeah. what it is. Um, so what I do is take where we are at or wherever your particular location is at and then draw a distance of where the start of the radar loop is and see how far it goes and then calculate that out and you can kind of figure out how fast it's moving. So, um, yeah, I I really like the two two or three minute update because you can really the scans are so quick well i'll take anything after after last week not having anything i having to look at at uh fort smith for pop-up storms was kind of hard to do actually if oh, you're yeah. looking for branson yeah it was really you know iffy well nothing against fort smith i mean they're great great radar but it's nice to have hours back now correct um, and, uh, we've got most of the features. I mean, I think Mike said it's, there's still some other long-term repairs that they're going to have to do. And it's kind of evident on the velocities. There's, they still look kind of messed up. Um, yeah, it, I, they don't really tell us all what's wrong with it, but they just said it was a temporary and you, it needed, it needs long-term care. Yeah. I think it's old too. Isn't it like 25 years old, 30? Well, I'm not sure when it was uh, installed. I know they first started going into business, or they started installing the the 88Ds in 1988. That's why they're called 88. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, 
W Weather Surveillance Radar, WSR-88D. 88 is the year, D, Doppler. Doppler. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, and they've continued to update and update and upgrade. And mm-hmm. I mean, in the uh, one of the best things they've they've done in a long time is have that dual polarization or dual. Oh yeah, pole. absolutely. Uh, and that for you people who don't understand that, I mean, on a normal uh, unipole uh, radar beam, it sends out one signal, it hits the the raindrop or whatever, and comes back. But if you have a dual polarization, it hits it horizontal, and it also hits on a vertical so you can kind of measure how big that that snowflake is or how big the hailstone is and mm-hmm. that's really been valuable to uh tracking storms and even winter weather and and everything it, it's awesome and how about that storm monday morning or sunday morning well i wasn't even here for it that's right you're out of town yeah i, I heard it thundering over in oklahoma in miami oklahoma i did hear it thunder it was very very early like you know, 5 30 there, so yeah. it didn't do much. We only got uh, like a tenth of an inch of rain. That's about it. Oh, there. that's it. Yeah, it must have tracked along. I don't know come up from Arkansas or something mm-hmm. because I uh, I just kind of woke up. It was really strange. I I, I just kind of woke up about seven o'clock Sunday morning and looked over at the window and you know have the curtains pulled. But it was you know it was bright. I was like oh good the sun's up or whatever. And so I kind of rolled back over and then slowly well not too slowly. The room kept getting darker and getting darker, and I kept I looked over and I went, "Well, wait a minute, that's getting really dark." And then I heard thunder, and I thought, "Okay, I got to get up." <laughs> and <Yeah>. holy moly! <laughs> About twenty minutes later, it came a toad strangler. Well, I must have had one at the house because my ring gauge is pretty full—about an inch full, a little over actually. So, oh yeah, we uh, we did, and I could tell where the ditches had filled up because there was, you know, how it leaves a debris trail of sticks and stuff where how, how high the water got. Yeah. So that's all over my road right now. So it did rain at my house. Yeah, I, I went out and looked that afternoon, and I got point six. I got six tenths. So that thing dropped. It's about what I got at the hospital. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a, well, you must have had extra water yeah. in your. It happens a lot. We we, we we differentiate. We're not that far apart, actually. Uh-uh. What did you say, like two and a half miles or something? Yeah, I'm even closer to the hospital, so. <laughs> well, I did see on radar that thing was lifting north, and it was just a thin little line of, of lightning and thunder. My power flickered off, huh. and uh, I, I forget. Uh, I got a report. Uh, it's either out east, I think, that their power was off for a long time, and I thought, wow. So what a way to wake up on a Sunday. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, some people, uh, I think, uh, was working at, at Cox Branson, and they said they reported some small hail. And someone else in T Highway said they had some. I saw, small I saw some pea-sized hail reports. So um, evidently, it didn't get too out of hand for hail, but we had a toad strangler or a gully washer, whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, submit your word. We'd like to know what y'all call it. That'd be great. I like gully washer. Uh, gu- gully washer. Wa- washer. Washer. Yes, we are. We are in the hills yes. here. Gully washer. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay. Let's talk about that stubborn boundary that's been sitting down there in the south. It's it is causing so many headaches because whenever you have a stationary boundary, it is almost impossible to forecast accurately because. It's just sitting there, and you can look at the upper air patterns, you can look at the mid-layers, you can look what's coming up on either side of it, 
And it's just a crapshoot. And it had everybody. It had the Storm Prediction Center, had the National Weather Service, had us just, you know, pulling our hair out. And because we had forecast, the Storm Prediction Center said on Saturday morning, there's a slight risk, there's thunderstorms. Models, models were even saying that. Yeah, we've they've been teasing us, but they're doing the best they can do, I guess. We've been in the slide, we've been out of the slide, we've been back into the slide, and then nothing happened. They just don't know. And it also not only affects, you know, rain and storms, it also affects the temperature on either side of that boundary, how high, how high the, exactly. the highs are going to be. Exactly. On the north side, I mean, and uh, what was it, two, yesterday or two days ago or whatever, they uh, on the back side of that big low, that impressive low, the highs just barely got to 80 degrees, mm-hmm. which was great. Wonderful. Yeah, but then you get far south in, in Arkansas, uh, and then you're talking 90s again. Yeah. But but that boundary, we've been tracking it through satellite and radar stuff. I mean, impulses are supposed to ride along that thing. And it was supposed to start moving up on Saturday. And that's why everybody was saying, okay, you know, we, that warm front's going to lift up. It's going to be the lifting mechanism. We've got... Uh, uh, an impulse coming in. We've got tons of moisture, so the chance for severe weather is there, and they plopped us in a slight risk, and the boundaries decided to stay down there. So basically what happened on what was supposed to happen on Saturday happened on Sunday. Yeah. So, and I wasn't expecting that, really. I mean... No, and the boundary itself... Now, this is, this is Monday. Today, this boundary is just now starting to lift mm-hmm. up. I mean, it didn't even... It just it didn't even get to the area yesterday, so so that was way off. But we are monitoring it. Uh, the Storm Prediction Center has come out uh, today, matter of fact, and they've they're saying that the uh, there, there's a slight risk. Probably uh, it's east of Branson, east of Springfield, probably more of the West Plains, West Plains. Lebanon area, a slight risk, and that's different. I mean, they're they're changing dramatically. And just like we said before, the models, they're, they're just not handling this very well. So it's a guessing game. And we can just, what we do is just tell you the latest information, what we're getting, uh, the solutions. I mean, none of the short-term models are really in that much of an agreement. And that's that's making it a headache for us. I like what was, did you say the, the wharf model was mm-hmm. kind of... I'm I'm kind of leaning in that direction right now. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, yeah. I just checked the wharf model a while ago, and it has something developing over southern Missouri at uh, what did I say seven Z, mm-hmm. which uh, since we're in central daylight time, you subtract five hours from that two a.m. two a.m. and persisting for hours for like 13 14 hours i mean i mean on off we're not talking like solid solid rain but just activity developing over that same area and if that happens we could get a couple inches of rain i hope so now on the contrary the nam which is the north american model is totally different from that sure <laughs> it's saying yeah something a little bit developed down you know in arkansas about you know 7z 2 a.m and then it'll just keep moving south and absolutely nothing. So it's like, what do you do? <laughs> well, we need it. Your grass was really crunchy when I walked up here just now. Oh, it was? Yeah. It's kind of crunching below my feet. And Shoot. Thought, Man, we're going to... We need the rain because if we don't get a consistent rain throughout the summer, we're going to be in a, be pretty dry here pretty soon. And we already are, actually. But Yeah, we're in a deficit right now. And I did check the drought monitor for Branson. And they say we're still technically not in a drought yet mm-hmm. 
but it's we're getting dry. And I think uh, looking at the the week forecast, this is kind of our last hurrah today and Tuesday. We'll talk about Tuesday in a minute, but um, today and Tuesday is our could be our last real chance of organized rain for a while, and that's not looking good for drought conditions. No. Now, uh, uh, okay, now back to Tuesday. Uh, the afternoon Storm Prediction Center day two update. You always count today as day one, so day two would be tomorrow, Tuesday. They have the entire area now in a slight risk, so their confidence has increased a little bit that, mm, okay, maybe... Maybe we might get some severe weather. Uh, that includes Miami, Oklahoma. So your your kin down there in northeast Oklahoma could be under the gun, too. I think what they do right now with this uh, day one, day two convective outlooks, they're basically playing rock, paper, scissors, and whoever wins gets to be in the slight risk for now yeah. because it's just all over the place. And we've been in the yeah. slight risk for the past couple of days, really, and yeah. nothing, really. I mean, except for that Sunday. There was no warnings in Branson, was there? No, uh, no. that wasn't severe. It was just, it was pretty intense. But, uh, you know, the severe tr- criteria, you got to have wind gusts of at least 60 miles an hour or quarter size hail. And mm-hmm. it didn't, you know, lightning is not a indicator for uh, part of the criteria for severe nope. severe weather. So, but the good thing is, is when the lightning popped, my power went out for like literally a second and came back on, ch- shut my computer off, reset my modem, reset the digital clock upstairs, but the microwave stayed on. So that's good. Huh. <laughs> wow. I only had one clock to reset. <laughs> well, and in getting on uh, for that, is that boundary keeps lifting and lifting and lifting and lifting. It's eventually going to go all the way up through Missouri, and that's going to have these hot and humid. We're talking mid-90s coming back, which is ungood. I can already feel myself sweating. Yeah, I know. And the new uh, Climate Prediction Center, they have the three-month outlooks. Uh, I think a few weeks ago we did the podcast, and they were saying, oh, equal chances for... This and precipitation and blah, blah, blah. Well, I checked today because this is a month. Yeah, we did it last month and a month later. And now they have really upped. They're saying above, above, above. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Next, was it three months it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah, through through at least August and September. I stopped it at uh, September because I just I couldn't take it And I, I just assume it's going to also be dry. During that, yeah, months, you know, I was I was so intense and in looking at that uh, at the the temperature outlook, I didn't even look at the precipitation. Oh, okay. So I think during weather school, I will look at that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's hot and dry, we may not uh, get much of that. So, and I know lots of people with this hot and humid weather are out enjoying the lakes, and I think you got something on lakes, don't you? Well, you know, the lake temperature is 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 up there. It's it's warm. It's been warm. It's been sunny. We got we had a hot spring basically. Yeah. And uh, not so much around here, but up in the Lake of the Ozarks, uh, the lake temperature up there is approaching 90 degrees. No way. And it causes a certain algae to bloom that, that turns the water green. <laughs> you got knocked over your head. <laughs> turns the water green, and it's also causing a, a massive fish kill up there. Oh, no way. They say, don't worry. It's, it's, it's natural. It, it affects the oxygen levels in the water is what it does, and that's what kills all the fish. But, oh. uh, but the temperature has been way too high for too long, too early in the year, evidently. and it caused, So it gets to that threshold, yeah, that and temperature? It, yeah. Well, it caused a major fish kill. We, 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 
there's a fish kill around in this area that happens naturally right around September. And that's due to the low oxygen levels in the water. Uh, the lake temperature really gets up there right at into August, early September, Labor Day-ish. It's happening up there way too early. So, Yeah, and I know in September for my fishing buddies, always tell me, I think they call it the lake turns. The lake turns turn. over. Yeah. So the water on the bottom of the lake comes to the top, and it, top water goes to the bottom. Gets real murky for a while. That's fascinating. Yeah. Like a natural thing. Maybe that's they're trying to get the oxygen back. Who knows? So, do you know what they're doing about uh, up there? Or I mean, it's uh, there's. They say there's not really anything to worry about. It's natural. Okay. And there's nothing they can really do about it. It's just that it's been so hot. So. And now we're going to go back into this hot. Oh yeah. Hot stretch. Uh, amazing. I wouldn't surpri- be surprised to see it in other lakes as well. But right now, all I've heard is Lake of the Oz- Lake of the Ozarks. So nothing around here. Yeah. But do you have any? The temperatures? you have any temperatures? Uh, well, the temperature at Indian Point right now, the lake temperature is about 82 degrees, which which is around normal for this time of year. Okay, that's good. But I think Table Rock usually runs a lot cooler than Lake of the Ozarks. Okay. We have a lot more uh, spring, like Roaring River is a spring. We have a lot of spring fed Oh, down the White here. River and everything, yeah. James. and yeah. I mean, They have it up there, but not as much as we have it down here, so. Okay, yeah, because I know Taney Como is always cooler. Taney Como averages in the 50s because it comes out of the bottom of Table Rock Dam. Table Rock Dam is how tall it comes out of the bottom. That's how it yeah, supports 200. the trout habitat in Taney Como because it's, it's a cold water fish, so it has to be in the 50s. Boy, that, so, that's a lake. It to, to you don't want to swim in that one. It's, it's really cold. Well, unless you like really cold shocking it'll numb you <laughs> no if i had if i had a preference i i like the bathwater pools and yeah me too that kind of lake so if you're out on the lakes uh it's going to be nice and if you're fishing or if you're swimming or enjoying it um the the one thing we will say though is once we get now that this warm front's moving up we're going to get in these hot temperatures in the 90s in moisture we're going to open up the door for those afternoon pop storms again dangerous to be on the lake during a pop storm and they're hard to predict oh yeah i mean you you can't even you just have to watch radar it's like fishing and lightning (laughs) and they'll cause cloud to ground lightning heavy rain yeah Yeah, so you gotta be careful and that is ungood if you're in a boat so if you're in a boat and you see a storm coming up please head to shore yeah please just get get out i mean the storm will pass these these pop things they you know they they bubble up and they sometimes they don't move much but they don't last long no that that that's the that's the thing but so, the lightning does occur a lot of times outside of the main cell so you, it's just one of those things you have to be careful yeah and if you you know and everybody has cell service and you know keep tuned to storm dark weather we people know us we are following it we will follow 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 uh update Corey or myself just monitor radar all the time because we find it very fascinating i love chasing them and key is keeping with the theme of hot and humid uh the tropics uh remember we had what is it arletta then we had bud bud and then i don't remember the oh C. what was the C? I don't remember Oh, I forgot what the C, because I think I said it last week. But anyway, we're up to D now in that same area. South of Mexico, uh, west of Panama, kind of in that uh, 10, 10 degrees north, 115 degree west type thing. There's something going on down there that, that 
it, things just keep bubbling up and bubbling up and moving kind of north. Well, those and, things work on, on, on water temperature as well. I mean, what's going on down there exactly? I'm not sure. Like the like the Enso regions, like in, uh, Enso 3, 1, 3, 2, and 3, 3, 3, 4 is like the equators off of South America, but that's got to be the warmth going up, uh, you know, 10 degrees north isn't, it's not that far away, no. you know, but because they measure at equatorial, uh, the El Nino and stuff. So if they got warm water going on there, I think that uh, we'll probably go into an El Nino. That's why they're watching. Hey, did you uh, did you check Amazon for those El Nino glasses? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think we ought to. I think we ought to capitalize on that. I think that's going to be so. pretty good. Well, with those. Uh, Pop storms and all the severe weather we are going uh, expecting to happen. I mean, we don't think it's going to be widespread, but there will probably be some warnings. So this week's weather school is all about warnings. Uh, we did one earlier that uh, was watches and warnings, which give an overview of how the Storm Prediction Center and and uh, the National Weather Services they they issue their watches and their warnings and that kind of thing. But this one specifically focuses on warnings and i mean all types of warnings cool even warnings i've never heard of so let's get to the weather school if there's something about the weather that you want to know stormed our weather school this week we're going to take an in-depth look into the types of warnings issued by the national weather service their criteria and how these warnings could save your life There are dozens of types of warnings that can be issued by the National Weather Service. They are all issued for a reason and should not be ignored. It's important to note that watches and warnings are not the same thing. Whether watches are issued to give the public a heads up that a particular weather hazard is possible. A warning is issued when a weather hazard is occurring or is about to occur and you need to take the appropriate actions immediately to protect your life and property. So in the convective category, the most obvious warning is the tornado warning. This one is pretty self-explanatory in that a tornado has either been sighted by spotters or a public official, or one is in the making by being detected on radar. Tornadoes can occur quickly, and sometimes the lead time is less than 10 minutes. So, if a tornado warning is issued for your community, then damaging weather is imminent and you should go directly to your safe spot until the warning has either expired or has been canceled. Next, the severe thunderstorm warning. The criteria for a severe thunderstorm warning is either hail 1 inch in diameter or greater, or wind speeds in excess of 58 miles an hour or both. It has been scientifically shown that one inch diameter hail can cause property damage. Hail less than one inch in diameter can make some small dents in cars, but generally doesn't knock out windows or damage the siding on your house. Although tornadoes aren't likely, a tornado could develop out of a severe thunderstorm. 
And if rotation is detected on radar, then the National Weather Service will upgrade the severe thunderstorm warning to a tornado warning. Occasionally, thunderstorms will have the ability to drop tremendous amounts of rain. So the National Weather Service will issue some type of flood warning. A flash flood warning is a little different from a flood warning. A flash flood warning is issued when heavy rain falls in a short amount of time, causing water to quickly pond on roadways and cause a rapid rise in creeks and streams. A flood warning, or an aerial flood warning, is issued when a gradual or persistent flood event is happening. Sometimes flood warnings extend for up to a few days, where a flash flood warning generally lasts just several hours. A widespread heavy rain event will put stress on area lakes because of all the runoff that happens when the ground becomes completely saturated. Lakes will continue to rise a day or two after the rain event has ended, so the flood warning or aerial flood warning could last for some time. A high wind warning is issued when sustained wind speeds of 40 miles an hour or greater are expected, or for wind gusts of 58 miles an hour or greater. These strong wind conditions will make driving difficult, especially for those driving high-profile vehicles. Many times high wind warnings are issued for places that are on the back side of a departing powerful low-pressure system. Red flag warnings are issued for high winds combined with low humidity. These conditions can cause fires to quickly get out of control, so burning should be prohibited due to the dry grasses and vegetation. In the wintertime, there's a variety of warnings that can be issued. I think the most common one is the winter storm warning. The criteria for this kind of depends on where you live in the country. For places that don't usually get a lot of snow, like the southern states, a winter storm warning could be issued when snow accumulations are expected to be as little as three or four inches or more. But in the northern states where snow is common, a winter storm warning criteria could be for a snowstorm that drops more than six or seven inches. Winter storm warnings are also issued for life-threatening combination of heavy snow and ice. And speaking of ice, let's get to the ice storm warning. These are issued when ice accretions could be greater than one quarter of an inch. Travel could become very difficult or next to impossible. And when you get ice accretions greater than a half an inch, then trees and power lines can start coming down. A blizzard warning is issued when high winds, very cold temps, and snow are expected. Whiteout conditions will be likely, so travel is highly discouraged. A freeze warning is normally issued in the fall when sub-freezing temperatures are anticipated for several hours, thus killing vegetation and then officially ending the growing season. Sometimes freeze warnings are issued in the spring after the growing season has started, and sub-freezing temperatures may kill off some weak plants. A wind chill warning is issued when high winds combined with very cold temperatures will produce wind chill values well below freezing. Skin exposure in these conditions will freeze quickly and cause bodily harm. For the summertime, heat warnings or excessive heat warnings are issued when high temperatures combined with high humidity can affect the body negatively. 
Heat has a cumulative effect on the body. Day after day of exposure to excessive heat can cause dehydration, exhaustion, heat stroke, and possibly death. Heat warnings or excessive heat warnings can last for several days, so if you're under this type of warning, then try your best to stay in an air-conditioned place and don't do strenuous activities outdoors. In the tropics, we have a couple of warnings that can be issued. First is the tropical storm warning. They are issued for storms coming inland that have sustained winds of up to 73 miles an hour. A hurricane warning is issued when the sustained winds are going to be greater than 74 miles an hour. A cousin to the hurricane warning is the hurricane force wind warning, in which winds of 74 miles an hour or greater are expected, but are not associated with a hurricane. There's a couple of special warnings that we don't see very often. First is the avalanche warning. They are issued for the mountains when an avalanche is likely to occur. So, skiers should avoid the mountain slopes when an avalanche warning is in effect. Tsunami warnings are rarely issued, but are in the database of warnings from the National Weather Service. Powerful earthquakes can occur, which shift the tectonic plates in the oceans. Tsunami waves begin deep in the ocean and can travel up to 500 miles per hour. These waves can make their way to islands and mainland coastlines, although their momentum decreases the farther out you go from the initiation point. If these waves reach islands, then there will be a rise in sea level and residents should seek higher ground. How high the water rises depends on how far away the tsunami was generated from the island. Coastlines could experience a rise in ocean levels too, as a fast influx of water invades the landmass. This can happen so quickly that often people don't have time to get out of the way. So if a tsunami warning is issued, everyone should seek higher ground immediately. This weather school has focused specifically on most of the warnings issued by the National Weather Service. Advisories are issued when the lesser of these hazards occur. For example, a winter weather advisory is the lesser of a winter storm warning. And a freezing rain advisory is the lesser of an ice storm warning. Advisories are still impactual and they are indicators that a hazard is imminent. Bottom line, warnings should never be ignored. It's the function of the National Weather Service to inform the public of situations that could greatly affect your life and property. Always be prepared. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. So there's warnings you probably didn't even realize. Uh, I, I like the avalanche warning. We don't get those around here much. No, I don't think so. The tsunami, haven't had a tsunami no. warning in a while. But my phone's supposed to let us know when we have one of those. So A tsunami? We'll see. I wonder if you can get a tsunami at uh, Table Rock. Hmm, well. Or bull shows. As long as that dam is up, we hope not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, 
I love what's happening. We're getting some listener questions, and we got one from Brad last week, and we got another one from uh, Megan O'Hara, Fayetteville, my stepdaughter. She uh, asked me a question. I thought, wow, that would be a good listener question. And her question is, does the red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning, have any validity? So I did some research on that. Okay. And what I found was, uh, what it says, the, the term red sky at night, sailor's delight, means when we see a red sky at night, this means that the setting sun is sending its light through a high concentration of dust particles. This usually indicates high pressure and stable air coming in from the west. Basically, good weather will follow. So you do the next one. Red sky in the morning... Sailor, take warning. A red sunrise can mean that a high-pressure system, which is good weather, has already passed, thus indicating that a storm system, or low pressure, may be moving to the east. A morning sky that is a deep, fiery red can indicate that there is a high water content in the atmosphere. So it could mean rain. Rain could be on the way. So that's... That's basically where that comes from. I mean, and sailors would, you know, they out in the oceans and stuff, they, they probably don't have cell service out there. So, um, I don't know. Of course, those sayings are from how, like, pirates or Viking days. Oh, yeah, way yeah. before the 1950s. Way, way before cell phones were invented. <laughs> yeah, so there, that, that answers the question. And we encourage, we encourage you. We love answering Fun little questions like this. So message us uh, on our Facebook page. Send us an email, stormdoorweather at gmail.com. And we uh, and your your question will probably will be answered on the air. So we like that. Let's get to the next segment. It's the weather word of the week. And the Stormdar Weather Weather Word of the Week this week is Subs subsidence. Yes. And we've uh, uh, I've had questions on that before. Subsidence. Subsidence, oh, su- yes. It's almost a tongue twister, just a little bit, if you say it real fast. Or sub- three times. Sub- subsidence. Subsidence. Yeah, I can do it. Subsidence. Subsidence. Yeah. Mm. Must be my, my training on, on patter songs. There you have to talk very fast. Uh, like New York people, they talk really, really fast. Subsidence. So that means, uh, definition is, in the Earth's atmosphere... It is most commonly caused by low temperature. As the air cools, it becomes denser and moves toward the ground. As warm air becomes less dense and moves upwards. Subsidence also causes many smaller scale weather phenomena, such as morning fog, which that's the cooler air sinking towards the surface and the dew point meets that and you get this ground stratus cloud. How about Very that? cool. Yeah. And if you want to see a good um, representation of subsidence, uh, those of you who watch our Stormdar page, we have forecast picks, and they kind of represent kind of what's going on in the weather. I, I My favorite one is the severe, where it's this lightning bolt mm-hmm. that I caught. I was at night. I was out looking for a, at a severe storm to the west, and I had my phone on top of my car, and I had my lightning camera. Oh, yeah. And so it, we all know how lightning cameras work. It, it detects, and any light that kind of pops up, it'll immediately s- snap a picture, and it got that. But uh, anyway, the 
pleasant forecast pick is uh, the picture where I grew up, my my mother's house, and it's blue sky, it's got a big tree, and some fluffy clouds. And if you look at the clouds really closely, in the middle of it, it looks like it's streaking down out of each cloud, that little streak. That is subsidence. So in that little cloud, it's the, there's cooler air, and that cooler air is kind of drawing that cloud down. So hopefully... We'll be putting that up soon. I hope so. Yeah. And the the one that we're dreading, which I think I may have to pull out. Don't say it. I know. It's the egg. The fried egg on the pavement. I like mine scrambled. You know, I like my eggs like anyway. Over easy, sunny side. Over easy has to be my favorite. That's how my grandma used to make them for me. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Get some toast and sop it up in the toast. And, oh, got to have some bacon, too. Sure. Oh, you're making me hungry now, man. <laughs> I think I need to... Is I, See, I've been talking 20 minutes, and now Mike got sure. that, that frog in my throat again. So I guess that's a signal for us to, to start wrapping out. up. <laughs> well, next week is the 4th of July week, so Corey and I are going to take off. What are you going to... You, you have plans for four, the 4th? I don't. Shoot some fireworks. I don't somewhere? have to work. I imagine I will. Might go to Oklahoma. We 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 went to a fireworks display this past weekend, so you know, we kind of already got our fireworks on. So oh yeah, uh, but we didn't shoot any. We usually go and shoot some at the grandparents' house. So that's oh, probably that's what we'll nice. do. Go get some bottle rockets. I don't know what I'm going to do. Fountains. Uh, I used to shoot fountains. I I I'm not a huge fireworks person, mm-hmm. but I mean they're fun to watch. I'll go and watch them, but to shoot them off. You know, I like the fountains. I don't like the big boomers. My kids like bottle rockets. Of course, we have to buy those in Missouri and then smuggle them across the state line because they're illegal in Oklahoma. You can't buy them over there. Well, maybe so. you shouldn't have said that on uh, the air. So. <laughs> we shoot them on private land. I don't think they're going to come get us, but nah. you can't buy them over there. So they yeah. are they are dangerous. I'll, I'll say that. Be careful. Use firework safety. Definitely firework safety. And hopefully we'll get some rain. Um, um uh, what I'm going to do for fun is next week I'm going to going to schedule uh, our we're going to have the podcast but uh, I thought it would be fun to replay our very first episode. Cool. You and I both had no idea what we were doing. We were just still talking, don't. and we still don't. <laughs> but it 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 uh, it describes what what Corey and I do our 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 non weather portions of our life. Plus uh, we got some really cool. Um, what is it? The uh, wild weather stories. I was trying to think of the phrase oh, yeah. wild weather stories. It's been a while. I don't even remember. I'm off to listen to that one. Yeah, I listened to it last night and to see if I needed to be to do any editing. And I just was enthralled by the whole thing. I thought, you cool. know, we kind of knew what we were doing. <laughs> anyway, so I uh, I will do a teaser on the top of that and play that for your enjoyment. So at this point, let's wrap up this episode. Be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us in two weeks for the next edition of Stormdar Weather Podcast. <laughs>